Imagine that it's the late 90s, maybe early to mid 2000s, and you go to college to get a marketing degree. Your dream may be as follows. I, a creative business mind, want to create advertisements for companies that will be shown across television sets everywhere. After all, that's likely how you saw your favorite advertisements growing up. Taking mental notes and all about what does and doesn't work. Shaping your focus on how you will someday conquer this medium. But what happens when the landscape changes dramatically? Television viewership is falling quite rapidly. Where are these people going? Well, they're going to YouTube. And, of course, Netflix. But Netflix is, for now, not doing advertisements. Meaning targeting your demographic is best aimed for the platform of YouTube. YouTube is the most watched video service for adults aged 18 to 34. And 73% of US adults use the platform. So now, if you're the aforementioned ambitious marketer, you have to learn how to conquer a completely new media landscape. Whether it's in paid or owned media, your approach for YouTube will have to be completely different with a new set of KPIs. You know what to expect with television ads. But if you want to make a presence for yourself on YouTube, you need to learn how to game a notoriously enigmatic platform that even the most experienced creators vent about not understanding. This is where today's guest comes in. For the past 10 years, Dane Golden has been helping brands approach YouTube in both paid and owned media. I had the pleasure of talking with him about his experience in this space the YouTube algorithm, the common misconceptions of brands trying to find their footing on YouTube, and so much more. Enjoy. Just jumping into it right off of the bat, you have been helping brands understand YouTube and what it really takes to build a successful widespread presence on the platform since 2010, when YouTube was a little bit more novel of an entity. And of course, now it's something that all brands are trying to get their way into. So I'd love for you to speak a little bit about the evolution over the past decade. Well, that would be a long story, but but I will tell you that I uh, I came from a tech podcasting company and started uh, helping a San Francisco agency with a YouTube channel for one of their clients, and it was a major client and. I felt we did not deliver, frankly, that we did not do a good enough job, even though I had done some of the early YouTube stuff. And so I dedicated myself professionally to learning how businesses can do YouTube like creators because businesses want to do their own thing, but creators really know how to do YouTube better. And so 
we wanted to help them do that. And it, it's been a very long road with some painful lessons for both me and my clients, frankly, but we feel we've gotten enough knowledge that we know how businesses can help their customers through YouTube and in doing so, help themselves. Right. And I would imagine that over the past 10 years, those initial conversations with brands have had a, a, a massive uh, change throughout year by year as YouTube's year over year growth has just continued to really explode. Um, so in those early conversations over the years with brands, did it really start out more of a, an understanding and maybe some hesitancy of, I'm not sure if this is going to fit versus now it's, it's a real eagerness to find a way onto the platform? Well, there's some people that are not a good fit with us and we choose to not have that conversation to begin with because of a number of reasons. So, but the ones who are ready are sort of the, the ground is prepared. That's a little bit easier. So do you mind if I sort of just explain sort of different situations that Please. a brand or a business might be in? Yeah. So the, sort of the, like the first thing, and even today it's sort of similar is that someone thinks um, the first thought is I just need more views um, I, whatever I say, I just need a lot of people to view it. And they might think, well, I just need to, you know, go viral or whatever that, that means, or, you know, have somebody share it. And then they say, well, that, I guess that doesn't really work. I'll just run a whole bunch of ads to tell people about my business. And that can work. Um, and it can work very well, but it's not the cheapest way of doing it. It's not the organic way. We help businesses with both the paid and the organic. Organic just means not paid, right? So it's not a YouTube ad. Um, there's the other element that sometimes businesses start in and they say, great, we just need one fantastic video. And they hire somebody who can make a beautiful video, but there's no thought to conversion or distribution or marketing or things like that, or, or what actually would cause that distribution to take place. So we're often brought into a discussion around the time where somebody has, after a long internal fight, gotten some budget. <laughs> and they're like, we need, let's do some ads. And I say, fine. You, you, did you have a question? Yeah, I have no specific question okay. on that. Sorry, please keep going. Okay. And then we say, great, we'll do that. And then they say, gosh, this is good. This is a good start. But what we really want is we want what other successful YouTube channels have, which is a regular engaged audience. And the way to do that, the shortest way and the way that we recommend is by doing how-to videos, helpful information, not really entertainment, because entertainment that can be very successful, but it's also generally more expensive unless you have the world's funniest person working on staff for you or you can hire them, which isn't really uh, doesn't really always shoehorn into the YouTube world. The, the biggest problem that brands and businesses have is they think YouTube is like TV only smaller. But uh, as we know, it's as different from TV as it is from Facebook or Instagram or TikTok. 
Uh, so we really emphasize a how-to video approach. And so, you know, what types of topics we think of is if someone was searching to do something that your business knows how to do, but they didn't know your business existed, what would they be searching for? You answer those types of questions through videos. They like you. They find you helpful. They want to do business with you. Right. And I'm curious on that because I would imagine that what the how-to video model will really generate are a lot of views, maybe from one-time viewers who searched for a specific key phrase and then their video of the company is the first that comes up and maybe it's the most appealing with the thumbnail and the title, so they click. Uh, but at the same time, there might also be a lot of value in putting focus on, oh, this channel can devote a loyal following, almost disconnected from the company where people just love the engaging content they make so much that they subscribe and that they want to tune in to every single video. So uh, I'm wondering what your thoughts are on those different approaches. And at the end of the day, what's probably the most worthwhile for brands? Well, you want to think of not just what's going to get views, but what's going to get views from someone who's a potential customer. And I could do a, I could do a B2B and a B2C example. Would that be helpful? Yeah, please. Okay, great. So, Let's say, so B2C, let's say you're a soccer ball company, right? And you sell soccer balls. Now you could do the greatest thing with the greatest players, doing the awesome shots and, and all this at the World Cup and so forth. And that can do very well if you have the budget to do that. But there's another approach you might be thinking. You might be thinking, well, who is my customer? Well, in the U.S., it's soccer moms and soccer dads. Would you agree with that concept, Dylan? Okay. Well, so instead of doing these um, amazing trick shots and so forth and, and really splashy, expensive videos, what if instead you offered uh, tips for how your kids can get better at soccer, drills, how to manage teams, how to be an assistant coach, how to be a good fan as a parent, how to, you know, know your liability if you throw a pizza party and have to drive 12 kids in your van, all those little things. And if you were to do those every week, now you begin to build a trust, a personality, a relationship with your customer. And when it comes time for them to buy the soccer ball, they could go with the splashy, expensive videos, or they could go with essentially someone they believe to be their friend who's been giving them all this helpful advice over time. Interesting. So it's it's a prioritization of providing content that really acts as the solution for the person who's on YouTube trying to figure something out rather than, hey, we're just going to make the most fun and engaging content. And maybe somewhere down the line, there's going to be people who enjoy the videos we make, maybe disconnected from our brand. Yeah, and that's a, I mean, you know, the, the other option that you mentioned is a good option. It's just more expensive and, and higher, uh, uh, higher rate of failure and harder to execute. And it's not one we happen to do well. So we've created a formula that any human 
with a camera can do because any human is an expert at something and they can share that. So that's what we focus on and um, and that's what a lot of YouTubers focus on, whether they're showing how, somebody how to do gaming uh, or beauty vlogs or code Ruby on Rails, right? Right, and I would imagine that a, a common misconception amongst brands is what we really need to chase here is a viral video. And I know that that gets thrown around by companies all the time who are really looking to approach the creator space. What are your thoughts on having the main focus as virality versus having it really be around what you're saying? I guess something more SEO. Yeah, well, um, more power to them and their production company and their paid media strategy when they go for the viral approach. It's just um, – it's a very difficult approach and you know this because it's very rare that it happens twice. So if someone can make something happen like that twice without any paid media, that is a brilliant strategy and I would – stick with that person, I would pay them a lot of money to help you make those videos. But often they're sort of a flash in the pan, one hit wonders, and that's harder to do. So we, we really just help people who have, you know, normal budgets who want to try something that helps them over time. Right. And, uh, and with that, what would you say some of the more common misconceptions from brands, I guess, outside of just chasing virality, that are commonly broached because I what I love about what you guys are doing is really taking the creator mindset, which of course probably differs from that that is solely based on marketing strategy. Yeah, well, um, so there's a couple of pieces to that. And when we say the creator strategy, what do creators uh, who are educational creators do. They show you how to do, you know, play this game better or show you how to do this beauty tip better or show you how to code this software or, you know, hack this iPhone better, whatever the thing is. And, and there are, and I know you're in the tech space, there are tons and tons of, you, you could call them creators, you could call them devs, whatever you want, people showing others how to use software and SaaS platforms better. Um, and those people gain success by being helpful. And the idea that somebody's going to love something and buy your product because you've made a funny or, or great music uh, uh, video, that, that can happen. It's just it's a much more difficult formula to crack and much more expensive. And all those things that are so-called virality are, you know, 90% executed through um, paid media campaigns that can cost a lot of money. Uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's interesting. So I, I there are a few companies that come to my mind where they have so far built out YouTube channels that really are producing quality content that is developing a, a strong community. But I really wonder if that does translate to sales. Whereas it seems like the focus behind everything that Vidiop is doing is more on 
the most important factor is always going to be the consumer's trust. And if they trust you through a tutorial, you are establishing something really firm, really strong that cannot be taken away and is more likely to lead to a sale. Uh, are you seeing stronger conversions with this approach than what would generally be the more, hey, funny, zany content approach? Well, we just don't do the funny zany, so I can't speak to that. There's there's other people that are funnier and zanier. It's just an approach that we've seen that can work for any business. So I didn't give you a B2B example. Can I do that? Please, yeah. So I know, you know a lot of people in the Valley deal with B2B, and they're like, how could I possibly you know, do something on YouTube. It's just not set up for it. But but we work with clients that do this quite well. And, and I just want to give a fictional example of a, let's say, a software like um, uh, accounting software, just a generic uh, accounting software tool, right? Well, if you know, your first thought as a marketer for this accounting software is just like, we got to tell them how many features we have and that we've got 10 times more features than the next company. And that's why they should go work with us. And then we've got a great staff and we've got very talented people. You know, it's not necessarily what someone is out there looking for on YouTube and the algorithm rewards what people are looking for. And then once people start looking for it, it starts recommending those things. And so if you were an accounting software, I would say, don't talk about all your features and benefits. You can talk about them 20% of the time, but 80% of the time I would say, talk about how you can help businesses solve problems and, and, and not necessarily related to your actual software at all. You want to manage your finances better. Well, you should have a three-month plan and then a, you know, a year plan. And then what's your, you know, how do you manage these finances? And, and all those things that, frankly, as a business person, I'm always lackluster about. But, um, <clears throat> but then you start bringing in people who say, gosh, you know what? And I could use this accounting software to accomplish those goals that you are helping me do. Does that start to make sense? Completely. Yeah. Um, and on that, there being different approaches that I know you focused on being paid versus owned media. Um, is there one, say if, if you're a company who's looking and let's, let's go back to soccer, I guess. Yeah. You're a soccer ball company and you want to increase sales, but of course YouTube works great as a, a top of funnel approach. Is there a recommendation if you get very frank with this company about paid or owned, what's likely to convert better? Well, technically both. So uh, we have a, we have a um, paid side of the business and a, a organic side of the business. So the organic side of the business is VidyUp excuse me, and the paid side of the business is called vidtarget.io. And it's a, it's a tool that helps you market to direct videos on YouTube. So that's, that's the other side. So if you want to market to very specific videos and put the ads on front of those, let's say some, that it's a, 
you know, a great play on a, a uh, TV network about soccer, you can run your ad about your soccer ball company in front of that video using our tool or, you know, hire us to manage it, whatever. But the key is, is that just because someone sees an ad in it and it, uh, we recommend the direct response types of ads that, again, are helpful. They teach the customer something and then say, we can help solve this problem that you want to learn how to solve. So that's how they do it. But it's not, they're all not always going to connect on the first time. What a lot of people do, and you've probably done this, and probably a lot of listeners have done this, they're like, you know, I just don't want to click on that ad, but I am going to Google that product because I really want to see what it is, I, but I'm just an aversion to clicking on that ad. Then what happens is you see, oh, I'm looking on the Google page, but even on the Google page, they have the YouTube videos. And you're like, yes, I am going to watch these videos on this channel. Gosh, these people are so helpful and they really know their stuff. And if they know their stuff, they can help me. I know it's a long way around, but that's sort of how the world works these days. Yeah. And I think specifically for people on YouTube, it is interesting because I, I think you do have to tailor things to a more specific attention span and one that will probably prioritize a thumbnail that seems very engaging, a title that seems very engaging. Um, so I know that you do not provide production, but you do consult on the matter. So uh, one thing that is constantly being broached in terms of the algorithm is the average length of videos. And I'd imagine if companies do want to add a, a direct response component, probably that being a, a certain call to action, that will also mean that the video will have to be a certain length, probably not too long. So when you are conferring with companies who are looking to get into this space, what advice do you generally give on how they should be looking at the average time to a video? Well, the, <laughs> the, the common answer that everyone will tell you um, is as long as, as it is uh, good and helpful and not one second longer. Um, but I would split, again, I would split something that is a sales video versus a video that's meant to get you to watch more videos because YouTube will reward videos that gets you to continue watching more videos, whether it's yours or someone else's. Conversely, the, the, the paid media is, is specifically directed to get people off of YouTube. Just like Instagram doesn't have any links in their description because they don't want you clicking off. Same with YouTube. They actually don't want you clicking off. Even though they permit it, they are just going to penalize you for it because – they want you staying on and watching more ads. So as a business, you may not even have any ads on your channel, but you're, you know, essentially your channel is all an ad, except if you do it the way we suggest, it's a helpful type of video. Interesting. And because you mentioned Instagram, uh, you know, this is something I, I both have personal experience with, but also I've read a lot about. But that being some of these other platforms, maybe those that are primarily mobile, 
and the different approaches that companies are taking to really engage. And, you know, that could speak to, I guess, the entire e-commerce revolution that's coming across YouTube and Instagram video, but also just the way that companies try to build a presence for themselves. Um, but it seems that your focus over the past 10 years has consistently been on YouTube. So what about YouTube? really makes it the perfect platform for companies that are really trying to grow awareness and have that eventually lead to sales? Well, the other platforms are great too, or they wouldn't exist. Um, it's just not what we specialize in. And the, the reason we like YouTube is, well, there's a number of them. One, they are long tail. You can, instead of, instead of thinking it as something that is here today and gone tomorrow, like most videos are on the other uh, social media, the thing about YouTube is that, you know, and you probably know this and your listeners probably know this, you look at something, you may find a video that was from a couple of years ago or longer, meaning a business can build of a video library that solves the problems that customers are looking for. And those assets, you might think of them as um, buying a new car for your business or a new truck or a new building. They continue to deliver for you for years, potentially. So that's one thing we like is that it's, it's, it's a repeatable, renewing asset that you can build once and it can work for you for a long time. Um, the other thing we like about it is that it's it's understandable what, what works by the metrics that they provide you. YouTube has given you more analytics and metrics than any video platform in the history of humanity. And that helps you understand how things work so you can develop strategies and repeat them. Um, there's a number of others, but those are two uh, important ones for us. Yeah, and on analytics, this could really speak to both a company and a creator who are trying to grow their following on the platform. But say if, if the main focus on analytics, you know, right now YouTube has released a lot of interesting ones that really do speak to the average video duration we've talked about, but... What should be some of those main focuses? And I guess if you are a company, uh, I'm, I'm asking specifically you, if you are running a company's YouTube channel, where would you be looking at the analytics? And what are the things that generally wouldn't mean too much to someone that you think actually that should stand out? And just as an example, maybe that would mean, huh, I wonder why my video is predominantly 25 to 34 or this series is 13 to 17 and otherwise. So I, I guess really just if you could speak to the importance that correctly analyzing all of the just myriad analytics that yeah. YouTube gives you. Yeah, well, it's, you know, as a starter kit, it's helpful, as you've mentioned twice, understanding the length and how long people are watching. And that's something you don't really get to the same degree on any other platform. So <clears throat> there's something called average view duration on YouTube, and you can see it uh, for each video. And the default way of looking at it is it just shows second by second, if you total up all the viewers, 
what percentage are still watching after they began. So at second 11, 12, 13, 14, and so on, all the way through the video. And what happens with a lot of businesses initially is that they, you know, maybe they have a long intro about how awesome their business is and, and why you should work with them. And by the way, I have something that might be of help to you. And people don't care about that. They care about themselves. So they stop watching and they look for the next video that, that you know, said that it was about the same topic until they find something they like. So if you can, as a business, keep people watching, if you can keep, you know, at best, if you can keep more than half of the people who started watching are still watching at the end, your channel and your video are going to blow up because people are like, wow, this is super value that this business is helping me with. Again, about topics that may not necessarily be what your business is selling, but it's your expertise that surrounds your business. And and tell me if you need more elaboration there, but I do really want to emphasize it's not saying how to use your products. It's not saying how great you are. It's about how to do things essentially in your industry that you know about. And by the way, this is our business. Um, so that average view duration is the thing I would look at first. And if you see it sort of dropping like a waterfall or a um, double black diamond ski slope, that video is not going to do very well. And you need to change how you start your videos. And I have some more tips, but I, 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 I tend to keep talking. So you have to interrupt me. I love this. Please keep talking. Well, okay. I, what I'll say right there, and I think it's interesting is I'd wonder how often brands say, oh, what we really just need is a click because a click is a viewer and we're obviously trying to increase viewership and that might lead to a lot of clickbait. So I, I, I'm sure this is something you can speak to, but I'd imagine there's probably a lot of companies out there who might be making a clickbait thumbnail or title which will result in an average view video duration uh, that is incredibly short, maybe just 10% of the video itself. And in the long run, they're really just hurting themselves instead of really growing that video and allowing it to be treated fairly by the algorithm. Right, right. And, and, and it's interesting. The, the clickbait term is interesting, right? Because if you it, it, it connotates like there's a trick involved that you've that you've sort of pulled the rug out from someone. But if in fact they end up watching the whole thing, then it wasn't clickbait to begin with because you actually uh, they liked what they saw. Right? If you said um, this is the best orange Slurpee and it was about um, a great basketball game, but they ended up watching it, then it really wasn't clickbait because they really did enjoy it. It's clickbait when they don't like what they saw, right? Right. So, and that is very happen, that very often happens when there's a disconnect between what is in the title and the thumbnail and what's in the first few seconds of the video. That disconnect usually results in a steep slope of people leaving the video as fast as they can. And YouTube uh, long ago decided we are not going to promote videos that get just because they get more views, we're going to pr promote videos that get more watch time, which is a little bit of a complicated formula, but it's essentially, you know, average view duration is one way of looking at it. How much of each individual video do they watch? 
to the end. So the point being is do something, make a video about something that is a is about what the viewer is interested in, that they're looking to find out how to do. Make a thumbnail and a title about that. You can make it sexy, you can make it enticing, but it also has to be accurate and fulfilled in the first part of the video. And then you have to, throughout the video, continue delivering on the promise you made in that title, thumbnail, and then the first few seconds. Right, really just making it engaging content all the way through. And yeah, to what you're saying, it's really not clickbait if somebody stays through and is truly engaged and being delivered the solution that they were looking for. Well, yeah, and and uh, engaging is a funny concept, right? It's It really is more about, I mean, it's somewhat about the creator and the business creator, but it's also a bit about the viewer, right? So for me... Uh, like I had someone um, in one of my talks at VidCon it was doing how-to videos about concrete. And I could not think of a more boring topic. I would never want to know about how to stick a steel rod into concrete, right? But if you've got a multi-billion dollar project, how that steel rod goes into that concrete is the most important question in your life. Right? That's a live or die for your business because you don't want to mess up that foundation. So we've had people on the podcast that do plumbing, uh, people who do drywall. And, and for me, these are like – I just have no interest in those until I recently had a sink problem. Now I'm on YouTube saying, you know, okay, do I need to hire a plumber? Do I need to do it myself? What's the process? And – you know, I can tell you if your um, sink or other fixtures are overflowing, that becomes the most impro important problem in your world. And the video is very engaging when you're watching it. Right. And if you were a smart plumbing company, yeah. you would be out there making videos on every single common plumbing occurrence, obviously tying it back to your company. That would, given everything we've talked about, likely be the advice you would give for that specific content vertical. There is, so there is a little bit different um, when you're a local business versus a national business. Um, but a lot of local businesses that are in, you know, just for example, the trades like this, they have found actually national followings as much as their local business and have made additional business in a different way that they never they never expected, but local versus national, international, or SaaS platform, a little bit different on YouTube, but there's a lot of rewards there. And I have a tip for um, sort of a mental framing tip for how you create a video that I found can be applied to almost every video. And in fact, we did a study to prove it. Would you like to know what this tip is? I am dying to know. Please spill. <laughs> Even if you're not, I'm going to tell you. Please. So it is the word you. Interesting. Elaborate. Because I, I imagine this is the word you thrown into a title or maybe inside the thumbnail itself. Into the first few seconds of a video. Interesting. So in, in looking at a ton of videos, mostly tutorial-based videos for, for tech businesses, SaaS platforms, B2Bs, B2Cs, we saw anecdotally that there was – that when the person on camera – 
looked into the camera and said something that involved the word you in the first few seconds of the video, we started seeing a pattern that those videos would generally do better. But I couldn't prove it. I couldn't prove it because anyone, everyone wants real data, right? So just seeing it is – that's sort of the problem with social media. A lot of stuff is just like somebody says, well, 10 people tried it and it seemed to work, so we're all going to do it because there's not a ton of data. But YouTube actually provides you data and it provides a lot of things. So we teamed up with TubeBuddy, a company that is in this space who's really good with data. And then it was me doing the – you know, initiating the study and doing the analysis – so we wanted to find out if using the word you, Y-O-U, in the first few seconds of the video, saying it verbally, would get you more views and engagements. Okay? So what do you think happened? I am going to imagine, mostly because <laughs> of the direction of this conversation, that views and engagement uh, skyrocketed noticeably. Yeah, yeah. So we looked at 30,000 videos, randomized videos over the course of a year. We did this a couple of years ago, but the, we believe the data still holds up. And we looked at the word you. Now we looked at – this is a little bit of a uh, rat hole here. I don't want to take – but I think, I think it's valuable to know. So, so we looked at the first five seconds, the second five seconds, and the 20 seconds after that. And we split those up. And we counted how many times the word you was mentioned. And we looked into the captions. And we did this whole thing. There's a long methodology. And also we looked for similar words to you. You, yours, your, yourself, yourselves, you'll, you'd, you've, and, and so forth. Even y'all. Okay. To try to find out if the word you and its, its synonyms helped. And we found out that it did. So in the first five seconds, if you said the word you just once, just one time versus not saying the word you at all, you would get a 66% improvement in views. If you said it twice in the first five seconds, and this is possible to do, we saw a median of 97% more views than not saying it all. So double the views. And the way you might say, think of it is like, today I'm going to show you how to fix your car. Interesting. That being that it really does feel like such a more personal connection to the viewer than if they said, hey, I, I guess I don't know how you would not direct it to the camera, but just saying... This is a video, maybe no face, maybe no person attached to the video, just saying, this is how this is done. But instead, and I guess this speaks to the more philosophical value to YouTube and Twitch being sort of parasocial relationships, there being a real engagement there where the viewer really does feel like they're being connected to, that's going to make all the difference in the world, not only for the algorithm, but also just for the video duration and views itself. Yeah. And so uh, I'm glad you mentioned parasocial relationship. And I don't know if you've talked uh, about this on your podcast before, uh, but too many times. OK, yeah. great. So it's it, I would describe it simply as just the the feeling of connectedness or friendship with that person on the camera and, and a feeling of connectedness, even if the person on camera doesn't know you exist. So would you agree with that? I totally agree. Okay. Yeah. And through that, you, de you develop a loyalty to this person and if they're a business, to the brand. So 
Um, by saying the word you, since I it's not a live stream, I can't look at who's in the chat room. I don't know who you are. I'm substituting the word you for your name, and we know your name is your most favorite word. So it gets your attention. And when I say the word you, you know that I'm speaking to you directly. And it also helps you frame the approach to the video because if it's surprising how many videos are made where they don't really take the viewer into account. And we say viewer rather than audience because it's really one person watching at a time. So I love that. Yeah. yeah. So we think, you know, how if you can't put the word you into the first sentence of your video. Now, we, we also did through the study, if you say it a few more times over the next five seconds and the next 30 seconds, that you'll continue to do better. You don't – it's not a panacea. It's not a silver bullet. You have to have it in context. But the point being is you're framing the video. Every video, as we say, is not about the – is that not about the person on camera? It's about the viewer. Every video is about the viewer and what they need and what they want. And if you can frame a video like that as a company, your whole framework changes. And you're like, gosh, we were just talking about how this gear goes into that gear or how, you know, this app plugs into that app. And they didn't really care. But suddenly we start started talking about a problem that they had. And it's very easy to know what problems people have. You just do an autocomplete in Google or YouTube, and that tells you what problems people are having. Yeah, and that really, I guess, also speaks to if you're going to make one of these tutorial-esque, really solution-based videos to build a presence for yourself as a company on YouTube, it's going to require more than simply the solution, but also it being engaging and really feeling like a, a personalized experience, almost like you've hired a consultant and they're talking to you directly, but it might be the world's friendliest consultant. And they also smile and chat. So I, again, I know that you don't focus too much on the production, but I imagine that has to go into the advice to companies that, hey, listen, if, if they really feel like they're making a friend through this, whether that be through an identifiable host or any other means, that's really going to go a long way to making this connect and blow up in the way you really want it to. Yeah, and, and if you think about it this way, um, we've talked about the soccer ball and the, the accountant um, expertise. Now you, now you have a friend on YouTube that is helping you solve problems in your business. And I believe if you've watched three videos from a B2B business, you know, of your own volition, that business has a has chance at getting the deal with you, whatever that deal is. And, you know, depending on the business, it may be tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars. So, so when you look at it, depending on if you're B2B or B2C, it might be as a B2B that 100 views is plenty because – just one of those people is going to pay for your whole yearly budget of the entire YouTube channel. And so that's why we advocate, particularly we believe there's huge opportunities for B2B and B2C SaaS um, because it's just, you know, the more people you have and it's a worldwide communication platform and 
the thing about, you know, people in the tech world, what do they love doing? They love solving problems and helping other people solve problems. And you don't have to be pretty. You don't have to be handsome. You don't have to be thin. Um, you just have to be helpful. Right. And I, I would imagine if it's something that is more software as a service uh, solution based rather than, again, let's take plumbing as an example, that is going to result in two very different tutorial videos uh, beyond just the subject, but just also the delivery and the execution. Um, or I, I guess I should have posed this as a question. Or do you really see that regardless of its software or of its, uh, I don't know, something that can just be sold at a brick and mortar store, some tangible item, at the end of the day, the way that it's executed in a solutions tutorial-esque video is always going to follow more or less the same exact template. Well, there's, there's a number of variations on the theme, but we've created our own uh, theme that I can recite for you if you like. I'd love, please. Okay. So um, you have the hook that starts with, in this video, you're going to, uh, in this video, I'm going to show you how to something like that, something like that, you know, and then maybe you have like a quick example. Then you can say, you know, whatever your premise is, why are you doing this? So um, let me see if I can remember exactly how we put it. If you are a marketer or business owner and you want to up your game on YouTube for business and transform your viewers into loyal customers, click subscribe and, um, and the notification bell so you don't miss anything. So I've, I've identified a premise of why I'm here to help, who you are, and I've tried to actually exclude people who are not in our target market, who might be gamers or beauty vloggers. I just want business people. And then you said, gosh, I really am that person, so I'll stay on next, all right? So then you say, why do this, right? So why should you want to do X, Y, Z? Well, you want to do it because this. And then the next section is before you begin. And that's, well, anything that uh, you should know about this, it's not part of a steps or tips. So then you go through the steps and we recommend actually saying the words, here's the steps and step one, step two, because of the way that Google indexes YouTube videos. So you get this whole, if you say steps, you get this whole, you know, additional area that's coming from uh, Google. And then we, and then you don't, you never want to say any ending language in a YouTube video, like, well, that's about it. We'll see you next week. Or, hey, thanks a lot. Or like it, please like, and subscribe. And the tonality that it's over because the number one goal of any YouTube video, unless it's a sales video, is not to subscribe, it's not to get likes, it's to get them to click the next video. Right. So you never want to give them any tonality. I mean, if you're in a movie theater or when we used to go to movie theaters, you got up when the credits uh, showed, right? And left. Right. But in this video, it should never be thought of as an end because it's – you may have stopped recording, but you never want the journey to end for the viewer. You just want them to keep watching as many videos as you can because that continuation play makes those videos surge in popularity. 
Right, because the algorithm, of course, is going to want to see, oh, wow, not only did this person stick all the way through, this person that we already have very unique insights on, they stuck all the way through, they went to the channel, and they continued watching those videos. There was a real hook there. And then, of course, that's going to serve it higher into the algorithm. Um, but, you know, I, going back, I think something else that I love that you're saying because I think it also just speaks to maybe a core tenant of any brand who wants to run even an influencer campaign, is that solely looking at views is the most misleading metric, because that really is not going to lead to what you want. Of course, if your KPI is just, hey, we just want this to get to 500 views, <laughs> fine. But if you instead really want something based on, hey, we want to develop loyalty. We want people to really enjoy the video. And uh, from there, those people translate to consumers or at least a, a small percentage. Um, so I see that as a huge misconception that really translates to every little facet of this industry. Um, and I guess on that, I, I want to get your thoughts. Well, yeah. So the YouTube view is the most the bo Blah. It's both the most popular and both most misunderstood metric in all of social media. Right. Um, now, let's say you're my your brand new client, and you come to me and you say, "Well, we're going to need a million views on this video, and we want them for the lowest price possible." And I say, "Great, uh, I can get you those by tomorrow. Just just give me ten thousand dollars." And I can have those to you by tomorrow. As long as you don't care, even though you only do business in California, that I'm getting only teenage Malaysian gamers <laughs> to watch them. Right. Oh, you want actually customers to watch. Well, you were you didn't ask that. Um, or... You know, and $10,000, um, you know, the minimum price to buy a view in YouTube ads is one penny. And so you can, you don't know when you see that view count where those views are coming from. There's no way as a, uh, and frankly, most businesses don't even look at their analytics and know where their views are coming from. But, you know, maybe you're a business that only does business in California and each you know, deal gets you $100,000, maybe one view is going to be worth more than all those million views. Right. It really depends on what you're looking for. But there's a belief that there is some sort of uh, social proof to views. And in a way there is, but not, um, not in a helpful enough way that it's worth just getting views to try to gain respect or business. Completely. Yeah, it's it's to what you're saying. It is wildly misleading. And if you find 30 different YouTube channels or YouTube videos that all have 100,000 views, the story behind those 100,000 views and the people that make up that viewership is going to be so wildly different for every single video and every single channel. Some will be, of course, one-off viewers. Some will be people who accidentally click the video, maybe totally got clickbaited, uh, so on and so forth. But um, really, Dane, as a, as a final topic, it's sort of forecasting, I'm wondering just on YouTube right now being such a monolith and who's desperately trying to nip at the tail is Facebook. Um, and recently they announced 
that they're going to allow creators to A-B test with different thumbnails and titles. Something that I think is so huge because it really does provide the creator with, oh my God, I can see how this is going to perform depending on the thumbnail, depending on the title, maybe even the length. Um, so I wonder what you think of this approach, but also I wonder if you see any future in which Facebook video could uh, eclipse YouTube. So are you saying that that Facebook video you can choose between thumbnails? Well, what they're allowing you to do is to test with different thumbnails and titles. So that yeah. would be testing it to a small, tiny market, almost as a microcosm of what can be seen when you officially publish the video. So you can experiment with different titles and thumbnails before you really make the video go live. Yeah, so I'm I'm going to say that I'm not a Facebook organic expert, so I'm not really that qualified to speak with with this in the larger sense, but I'll tell you some things that I think. And um, one, testing thumbnails, particularly on Facebook, is a great idea, and sometimes you can use that knowledge and launch it on Facebook first, launch a video on Facebook first, and use that knowledge and take that Facebook thumbnail and move that over to YouTube because that thumbnail might work very well there. It's a little bit more nuanced to test on YouTube because Facebook, generally most of your video, your video views are going to happen in day one or day two, whereas YouTube, they happen over time. The other part is, is that, you know, is Facebook video going to beat YouTube video? I don't really have a clue on that. Uh, I think they're really just entirely different worlds and they, they have some overlap and they try to compete with each other in some ways. But I really think that uh, as they stand today and is that they're really different worlds. You can't find an old video on Facebook. They have Facebook watch. They've tried a number of different things, but when you want to go how to learn how to do something or find something that happened, you don't go on to Facebook. When you go on to Facebook, right. you want something that's happening now, not has happened. Completely. YouTube will always have that long tail and always just be the go-to for, hey, I need to find a solution to this very specific problem. Again, that could be plumbing, that could be software, uh, and then that's where the fixes are going to come. But um, but Facebook is a great platform. It's a great platform. It's just that you have to use it differently. Exactly. Yeah. And we'll see. Uh, I, I shouldn't be so naive to say that YouTube is always going to remain king because uh, I think we've seen such wild changes in the industry that I, I wouldn't be surprised if something does occur one of these days. But um, in any case, uh, thank you again for taking the time. And before we wrap up, uh, is there any, uh, in the spirit of this video, a call to action that uh, should be done for listeners? Well, I think what we talked about, just to reemphasize, the word you uh, in YouTube is magic. And it has it's very powerful. And if you can, uh, particularly it is a business, if you can structure your video so that at the beginning you are speaking directly to, not after some spinning logo or music or intro or dancing or whatever the thing is, right from the first few seconds, if you can say the word you and, and say, I'm going to help you solve this problem that you have, 
That affects your whole video. It affects your whole structure. You'll help solve their problem. They will reward you with their loyalty and their business. I love that. God, well, Dane, thank you so much. It's it's so valuable getting your insights on this whole industry and really what it takes to flourish on YouTube. Thanks a lot, Dylan. It was fun. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Tube Circuit, Exploring Digital Media. Please subscribe for more conversations about this industry, as well as deep dive analysis on the direction of this space. Thank you so much. Thank you.